0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Twenty-one plus. Age various by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire one hundred and sixty-eight hours after issuance. See dot slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Seamus, what do you got in your mind in terms of uh, Cliff in the chat is saying he just hits the tweet button? What do you got in your mind?
2: I'm thinking about uh, Merrill's tweets. I think Merrill's in a gray area where he's kind of a 94-1 WIP employee, but he's also kind of an Eagles employee. So mm. I don't think he's specifically allowed to comment on the Carson Wentz trade itself. But in the right. aftermath of the Wentz trade, I believe maybe even that day, or he tweeted this at midnight on February 21st. So it's really the 20th. He seems like someone who gets up in the morning at 5 o'clock every day to go golf. So I'm surprised he's up at midnight. But this is in the aftermath of one straight tweet, tweeted from everything I've seen and heard from people who I respect. Jalen hurts has the physical, mental and emotional attributes to be successful. I also believe Brian Johnson is the perfect quarterback coach to help him realize his potential. And that morning he followed up. So he, he tweeted that went to bed and then immediately woke up and tweeted this arm strength is not a <laughs> concern. Yeah. Midnight and then 9 a.m. Arm strength is not a concern for Jalen hurts. He can make all the throws with a tight spiral. At the combine, his velocity was measured at 54 miles per hour. That's right up there with the best. Justin Herbert, who has a cannon, was 55 miles per hour. So why is Merrill looking up combine miles per hour throws by receivers? That doesn't <laughs> that seem, doesn't like seem... It's that doesn't seem on brand for him.
3: Yeah, it's really weird. I... Today he tweeted. This, this,
2: this is the last one about him. At 12:29 p.m. today, tweeted there are a lot of mock drafts bouncing around. And bunch of draft projections being written. In my opinion, the chances of the Eagles taking a quarterback with the sixth overall pick are close to zero. They will develop Jalen Hurts and sign a veteran backup.
1: I think the way State I on
2: media I, or man? <laughs> the
1: way the way I was thinking about it is that I mean obviously he doesn't speak for the Eagles, you know, entirely. Um but a little bit. do Do the Eagles though let him say those things if like that's totally off base?
4: No, like if, I don't if think they're, that at
1: if, all. Like if they were really viewing Jalen Hurts as an afterthought, which some have is suggested in terms of like there's this thing out there that, you know, the Eagles didn't draft Jalen Hurts to be a starter. They didn't think this was ever gonna happen. They drafted him to be a backup behind sure, Carson Wentz. But like the dynamic has changed and he's been in yeah. the building for a year. They know more about him, so so that's my counter to that. But anyway, and, and I think what Merrill is saying kind of goes against that, like that he's just this afterthought and he has like no chance to start and they're definitely going to draft someone or they're definitely going to sign him. Like, I, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like it's bold to say that the only quarterback under contract for this year has a chance, to a real chance to start, but I think he does. It's weird in that if the Eagles wanted him to shut up about
2: him, they would have had him stop talking about it over a week ago. Do you know what I mean? They would have said, he wakes up and then tweets again you know the miles Brower combine thing the eagles would have been like hey merrill take it easy on the hurt stuff we don't know what direction we're going in we might be drafting a guy we might be trading for a guy we don't know what we're doing Hertz. for all we know we might trade hurts if the right offer comes around but then i guess nothing comes of that in terms of his relationship with the team or there is actually concrete communication with the team regarding what he's saying about hurts and again he's not Technically, it's, he's in a weird gray area, right? He's not an Eagles employee, but he's not, not, not an Eagles employee. <laughs> and then tweets it out, this stuff about saying close to zero chance they trade him. And it's not like yeah, he's yeah. Dane Brugler, Adam Schefter, or Ian Rappaport, where they're doing strategic le- leaks to you know throw teams off the scent. It's the guy who's got to be in his at least 60s, maybe 70s, play-by-play yeah. radio announcer saying it doesn't seem like it would be a leak from him or like this mind trickery from Merrill Reese's Twitter account.
1: <laughs> the arm number thing is really just really like, <laughs> it's just so, no it it's so not that,
2: right. Like who did he tell? Yeah, it's on on brand. Yeah. It's, he like does these emotional farewells and hellos and stuff like that. That's his Twitter thing. It's just him. You read his tweets and his voice. But that's not something I would imagine him ever saying. Not even on Twitter,
1: but on the radio. What's up, Cliff? We got a uh, locker room BGM uh, and- superstar. Cliff
4: oh, Rice here. Thank you, thank you, guys. So um I was listening to Benjamin Solak's podcast today. I'm not sure exactly when he came out, but the last one he put out mm-hmm. um on the Ben show. He had some interesting stuff about the quarterback, number old, number six overall pick, and stuff like that. So when... Um, Reese tweeted that. I actually saw that also, and I don't know if the Eagles are behind that because if I'm the Eagles, I'm thinking about getting more picks and trading down. The person I'm looking at the right, like right now are the Panthers. If this run goes the right way and the Panthers are trying to move up for Fields or Lance or whoever, we move back two spots, technically one, because they're going to pick the quarterback. Um, I was listening to um, Dan Campbell's. Like press conference today, and it sounds mm-hmm. like he's high on Pitts. It sounds like he's really high on Pitts, too. Like I think he just wants offense over there. He talked about wide receivers, corners, and he was like, oh, um, Pitts is a threat, like a big piece, a big like mismatch piece. It sounded like he was really intrigued with him. So if I'm Howie and I know like the pulse of the league and I know I could move back, pick up an extra third or a second, I'm not telling people I'm not interested in quarterbacks, especially the Panthers. So I think that's just his own opinion, to be honest with you guys.
2: Yeah. I don't think the team's telling him to do that, but I think the team also... Would be dissuading him from following up his tweets from last week if they were like, mm-hmm. hey, "You need to like keep it low on the hurt stuff. We don't know what what direction we're going with yet." But I, I do think maybe there's a chance they trade down. I'm not specifically for it. I have a through the weekly mailbag again, and I have my next one coming out tomorrow. I wrote it this afternoon, and there was the question of where, how far would you trade down in the draft? And I said I, going out of the top ten would make me. Furious for the season we endured and the tank fast and all the discourse around it. To be not have a top 10 pick would piss me off. But eight and nine are the sweet spots, I think, where I could kind of talk myself in the trading down. Whether, you know, we're getting, because that's, as you said, Carolina at eight and then Denver at nine. Both those teams could be looking for quarterbacks, and they should be, really. If you're in a position because you're trading those teams would be trading off for a quarterback, they should be paying a premium because of the quarterback value there. So if the situation is eight or nine and pick up a second this year, and another day two pick a second or third next year, I think that's something you could consider if you're still really happy with Jalen Waddle. But at the same time, if you really like Jalen Waddle, just take Jalen Waddle. We've all heard all these stories over the years where. Oh, the Eagles just missed their guy. They just or 102 <laughs> picks before. We had five guys These, we loved on our board. Even, and they
1: all went. Not even stories. The, the right out
4: of Lurie's mouth.
1: Yeah, the freaking owner justifying missing on people because of that. Sorry to cut yeah, you so off. Don't people. eliminate the margin for error. Just take the guy you want. I, I am totally on board with with Sheamus there. I, I hate the idea of trading back, especially in this year. You pick six. Like this roster – I don't think this roster just needs like young guys on cheap contracts. They actually do need that, but like I think more than they need that and like depth and multiple people, they need like blue, st- like blue chip star level, elite level talent because they just they don't have that. Who is that? Who are those guys on this team? I I just don't see those. Like I think even if you're the biggest Dallas Goddard or Miles Sanders fan, I just I don't even think those guys are that. Seamus and I kind of talked a little bit about this. I think I'm literally the front. biggest
2: Dallas Goddard fan. And I wouldn't <laughs> premium young talent. Like, literally, I might be. And you
1: might actually be Dallas Goddard. You kind of look like
2: I don't even know if he's, a, he's, he's on the last year of his rookie deal. He's been injured often. I don't even know if he gets a second contract here. I
4: don't know. I don't know. Between Dallas Goddard, like, I love how fans are. Like, we are. Like, we're quick to, like protect our own but slander them in the same breath <laughs> last year they're like oh yeah Dallas Goddard is great but not, like you look at Pitts Pitts is amazing he is absolutely amazing pick Pitts at six I'm comfortable with that but then people talk about like Goddard's it's like the second coming he's like he's amazing why would you get Pitts if you got God have you seen Pitts Goddard's not doing what Pitts is doing I don't know Goddard's God, not a star Sanders is amazing I hope he could be better but he's not a star either you know like we have no stars on the team like you said but I we could argue about um, Darius Slay, but he had an off year last year. I'm not sure if that's um, Shorts or is it Slay? Because I feel like corners come here just to die and they leave and they'd be amazing. Because Cindy Jones was doing well for Jacksonville. Roswell Douglas was starting. Apparently, he was like their number one corner for the Panthers. Like, what the heck happened there? I don't know. I
1: would I would trade Darius Slay. I know a lot of people don't like 100%. When I say that, and that's not really like me being anti Darius Slay, that's not what it's about. I just. How does he fit this team? I mean, he he just turned 30 in January. Like, is he going to be here and good when this team is good again? Like, I, I just don't see it. And they can also clear like I forget off the top of my head, but like six million cap space or, it's or six. something. It's six. yeah, like it's like
2: four point seven against the cap, and then they save
1: six. I think. And, and I I don't he's 30. Yeah, he just turned 30 in January. Oh, he's, he by
4: fits as a coach. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, right. <laughs>
1: that is very possible at this rate. Um yeah, so I mean I would trade him and I don't I guess I don't know. I mean I wouldn't trade him for anything to be clear. Like if you're getting a 7th I'd rather just have Darius. You're like, not I like, want to dump him, yeah. Yeah, I'm not dumping him. But like if you can get let's say man, if you can get a 4th done, like that doesn't oh, yeah. I'm yeah. I, I'm I'm totally sold on that. But I just I think what you get in return for him is to be more valuable than what he's bringing to this team and as far as people like, well, then what do you have at corner? Like, doesn't matter to me. Like, I, this team's not going to be good anyway. Like, get some young guys in here. You can draft someone. You can you can sign a Garyon Conley in free agency for like, I don't know, two million dollars if you can even afford that.
4: I, know, like, I don't know you can afford that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I, I just think Slay
4: like he can't be here in terms of like I, I just don't I don't see how he fits. It's funny because like in Madden, oh yeah, I'm trading everyone. You know, I'm, I'm going to the draft and all that fun stuff. But with Howie, I don't trust him with the picks. I was like, a fourth, a third? He's not good at picking. I don't trust him with – I barely trust him with a second. I only feel like we're going to be good here with the first because there are, like, ten good players I can take at six. And I'm like, it'd be hard for him to mess this up. But everything else, I do not trust Howie with picks at all. So Darius Slay for a fourth, even a third, I'm like, nah, at least I know what I have in Darius Slay. Howie, I don't trust him with anything. More
2: dark, like darts to throw at the dartboard is kind of how I view it. But no one really hits on True. a lot of, he's hit okay on day three picks. Cause I think where his, if he has his strength as a drafter, that's where it was, you know, picking up some linemen on day three. He drafted Jalen Mills in the seventh round, drafted Jordan Malata in the seventh round. So I get that. It just, the misses are so pronounced early on, given the players that have gone after them in the last couple of seasons. But the, if you want them to pick higher, that's why you want them to stay. In at, that's why I want them to stay at six. I want to reduce yep. the margin for Aaron mm-hmm. and get. Yep. They need a capital S star. They need a legitimate franchise building block, block and they don't have
4: that right now. And I think Jamar. Do you guys see Tate? Tate um, rated on Bateman above Chase. Who's Who's this? Uh, Nate Tice. Nate Terry right? Tice. Yeah, Nate yeah, Tice. yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
1: He's like, uh, I think he contributes to the athletic, and um, he's a former what college quarterback, and he 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 did his wide receiver rankings, or I guess it wasn't just him, was it? Cliff, I who it was it. Was
4: Him oh, and him? two other gentlemen, but he's the only person I really yeah. knew of.
1: Yeah, it was a consensus ranking for Bleacher Report. I think the top three wide receivers, like Cliff said here, were what? It was Devonta number one, Devonta
4: Bateman, then yeah. Chase and Waddle last,
1: and he get yeah. go game. to
4: Minnesota.
1: Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Wait, yeah, let I mean, me is, that. Is, is
2: there is there something they go to high school together? Same I mean, these are legit
1: team? guys. Yeah. I think Brandon Thorne was in there too, you know, who's like a, Yeah, uh, yeah the, uh, the the Lion yeah. guy, right? Yeah, like like these weren't just like hot take guys. Like and I've heard Ty speak before. He's not like a hot take guy. Like this yeah, is yeah. just, you know, his opinion based on film. And I'm, there, there kind of has been some, like, I know Tyler Jackson, you know, who was, who got a, so much crap for it on the BGN account. Uh, you know, he's not the biggest chase guy. He's not like an anti-chase guy, but I think, I think there is some like undercurrent to like maybe chase not being this slam dunk pick that everyone thinks he is at six. I mean, I, I want him. I would take him, but, uh, there, there is like some thought like that he's not like this no-brainer guy.
2: It's too I'm much time to kill, more and you're just overthinking that. everything. It's like, he didn't play yeah. last year. We're bored. Yeah. We're stuck inside. The win trade's over, mm-hmm. so we don't have that to think about all day anymore. Now we're thinking about the sixth pick, and we were so enamored with Jamar Chase for so long, people in the NFL draft community wore that we're now saying, hey, wait, are we sure he's good? Because then there's this other guy who we talk about last. He might still be pretty good, too. It's the same mm-hmm. thing with Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson was a beast. And had unbelievable production and numbers. And we're like, well, maybe he wasn't that good. And you know what? Jamar Chase is a year younger than him. And on that LSU team in 2019 yeah. was even better than him. And it wasn't particularly close. He was option one for
4: one of the best offenses in college football history. So what uh-huh. Tyce brought up to me was he said that he was afraid of his size. You know, like these college programs, they always say mm-hmm. they're bigger than what they are. So he's like, if his strengths are like 50-50 balls going up there, you know, like bumping heads with corners and stuff like that, how big is the strength in the NFL? If he's like an inch shorter or two inches shorter. So that's all he was worried about. He, but right. I'm, I'm still high on chase. I don't care. I, yeah, he passed the eye test for me, him and Smith and have a good day. I'm happy.
1: Yeah. I'd be really happy with either one of those guys at six. I think, um, uh, Oh, and Tice went to Wisconsin, by the way. So not Minnesota. Big <laughs> but, 10 bias. Yeah. Big 10 bias. Um, it's kind of difference maker man like that's something this team really needs everyone like kind of looking at jill and raker's rookie year last year and being like oh well you have to give him time like yeah i'm not writing the book on his career yet but he didn't show anything special and i just don't think he's going to be this difference making player even if he turns things around and gets better you know he might be like a nice player whatever best case scenario but you know i just don't think we saw anything special um Kyle Alexander wants to speak in here, so let's get him up. What's up, good Kyle? Up. How's it going, man? What's
5: up, Kyle? Um, nothing much. Pretty good. Uh, I just wanted to hop on in because I'm an Eagles fan as well. So. Awesome. I would hope so. I what do, what do you
1: got? What do you got for us? Um, so
5: actually, I have a YouTube channel, and I'm doing like a mock off season for every team. Cool. And I started with the Eagles, so I had um, I think it was time to move on from the Sean Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. Because both of them were just getting older and they were injury prone. Um, I say cut Michael Jaquette because he's pissed me off ever since that. Uh, cut. I would say Marquise Goodwin and Malik Jackson as well, mm-hmm. and maybe Derek Barnett. I heard they were working on an extension, but I think um, I think it is time to probably move in a different direction. Probably go with Josh Sweat at to end, but I mean maybe Barnett can have a breakout season.
1: Yeah, they're going to have to work on Barnett's contract because currently he's set to make ten million this year, and you just can't keep him at that number. Like you either yeah. you either have to like either believe in this guy and you extend him, or you have to cut bait. Like, you can't do this halfway thing, which is what they did with Aguilar in two thousand nineteen, yeah. and they kept him at like nine million, and it was just an insane thing to do. It was like either extend the guy or get rid of him. I think the sweat thing is interesting. I think there's a lot of thought out there that sweat is like better than barnett and i was looking at some numbers just like pass rush numbers uh and i and i put them out there last week on twitter without context like i just put the numbers out and i was like which player would you rather have uh i'm not gonna bore you with the rankings here but the gist of it is the rankings for uh uh, player a were better than the rankings for player b and everyone voted they'd rather have player a but then I put the names into it, and I said, who would you rather have, Josh Sweat or Derek Barnett? And 81% of people voted Josh Sweat. So, <laughs> so I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the numbers quite necessarily like match the perception there. I don't think Barnett has been you know, great by any means. And yeah. it's not like ideal that you're signing him to an extension. It kind of depends on what the contract looks like. But I think it's tough to like – I don't think you can cut him. I mean, this is a guy who is a first-round pick. He's Twenty-four years old, like it, it's just tough, like to cut a player like that. Like maybe if you And they were not even get a comp pick. Yeah, they wouldn't get a comp. Like that's just and, and they're just where they are. Like in this rebuild, like you, like you're not in a position to just be like getting rid of a young player. Like I, I, am right. not
4: ready to give up on Derek Barnett yet. Still. Neither am I, and I, I don't think how we can afford to. We would burn the city down.
2: <laughs> for for Derek
4: Barnett. Not, not even for Derek Barnett, more for the you missed again, yeah <laughs> narrative. Look well, at it, you missed, missed again. That he was in the Yeah,
2: I don't know about Derek Barnett.
4: <laughs> nah, but like Derek Barnett, I mean, what's out there that you guys want besides Derek Barnett in Gakwe? They can't sell any any of these last year.
1: That's another thing to consider, like. I think yeah, keeping him the is probably its most affordable option. I think, cause I don't, man, I, I could be wrong about this. I think with his injuries and the concerns that we have, I don't think Barnett's going to get this insane deal. I mean, he might think he is, but I think like you don't have to sign him to like five years, like a hundred, twenty, you know, like something insane. I think maybe because of the injuries and they might be able to do something where it's like, you know, a, another year, like, got, like add one more year.
2: Three twenty-four or three like twenty-one
1: or right. something, maybe or maybe again like not even so much the years like kind of like so what they you know did with Mills this past offseason like I thought Mills was gonna get more interest than he kind of did in free agency and they were able to resign him for like what one year four million or five whatever it was like right. maybe they can tack on another year to Barnett's deal because they can't just. Like, there's, have not any leverage to change his money this year alone. Who's getting 10 million? Like, Derek Barnett's going to say, like, just cut me if you're not going to pay me that. And yeah. you're kind of trying to make me take less than 10 million this year. But if you can kind of give him, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just kind of looking, I'm, the Somalo contract basically is what I'm looking at when I'm looking at yeah. Derek Barnett. And what they did with that. That's actually was, perfect. Yeah. What they did with that basically is they created a situation where it was like really team friendly. And they can kind of move on from him. Although there was some, you know, reward up front for obviously Samalo signing it. Like there was a benefit to him for taking that deal. He would get, you know, security. So I would look at that kind of contract. And if, if right. Barnett's demands are just insane, I mean then at that point you probably just have to move on. Like he's totally unrealistic about it.
4: Yeah. I mean, Barnett should know that he didn't meet expectations. He's a first round draft pick. I was talking about like him being the second coming of Cole. Trent Cole, they're like, oh, he broke he broke Trent Cole's record. I he wish. <laughs> he broke Reggie White's <laughs> record, not Trent Cole. There it is, Reggie White's. And I was so excited, like, yes, we got ourselves a savage. Nope. And then every mm-hmm. year, it's like, oh, he put on more weight, got off weight. This can be to be like, he breaks out. Brandon Graham's talking about him, but Cox's talking about him. He's going to break. Nope, nothing. So if I'm him, I'm just like, keep my head down. When i get to work. I take whatever contract you guys give me. Um, prove these fans that I'm actually decent. And get a better contract next year when the salary cap explodes. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh,
1: question in the chat here from, uh, Douglas. Uh, what about Jason Kelsey? Is he back next year in Philly? I don't think Jason Kelsey is, man. I, I don't see any reason why he should sacrifice his body for a team that's clearly not going to be like seriously competing. And I think it makes all the sense in the world for the Chiefs to trade for him. They'd have to do it after June 1st because of his contract, but I mean, I just – I can't see him wanting to play here. I just feel like he'd want to retire. We also have a request here from Caleb Boyd. Caleb, what's going on, man?
6: What's going on? So I guess kind of just, you know, becoming more and more aware of the Eagles situation right now. Um, just as far as like how they need to approach – I think they should be approaching the draft and uh, free agency. I think as far as free agency is concerned, they really – don't have too many avenues to get better just because their cap situation isn't good. Um, eating the Carson Wentz money doesn't help. That along with the fact that they still have a lot of veterans on on long-term con- – well, not even long-term, but just have veterans on expensive contracts doesn't help. Um, I think as far as the draft, though, with the sixth pick, a guy that I think they should definitely – take is Devontae Smith, just because I think they need receiver really badly. And I think they messed up on the Jalen Rager pick. I thought they were crazy as hell for not taking Justin Jefferson. And that proved to be 110% right. So, kind of not even necessarily a redo, but kind of trying to make up for it as best you can with Devontae Smith helps. Um, I think outside of that, maybe you could probably use a corner and a linebacker. I think those should be your first three picks corner, or wide receiver, linebacker, and then corner. Um, I just think that that's the best way for them to improve right now. And, I mean, they don't really have too many other avenues to get better, so I think the draft is probably there.
2: Yeah, I'd use all their day three picks. Or day two, I'm sorry. They have three day two picks. Their second rounder, oh, their third yeah. rounder, and the Colts. Third rounder they got in the win straight. I'd use all three of those on defensive
3: players.
5: Yeah, so... I actually did a mock draft for the Eagles and I after Smith in round one, I had them taking Jabro Cox from LSU at thirty seven. Oh. Um, then I had him taking Brevin Jordan, the tight end from Miami just to replace Ertz. And then I just like his versatility and his quickness. You know, he can uh I've seen him line up all over the place. He can line up at tight end receiver in the backfield. So I think that um gives us another threat. And then I had him taking Thomas Graham from Oregon just give us that um, you know, that tall corner. Opposite of Darius Lay.
2: Would you take a tight end on day two, BLJ?
1: I wouldn't. Definitely not round two. Probably not. Um, I mean, if we're talking later, day three, maybe. I mean, because they're gonna have to do something there. Obviously, I mean, if assuming they let Dick Rod walk because Goddard and you know Goddard's what signed through.
2: This
1: he's, year. Always, he's only signed through this year. Yeah, right. It'll be a free agent. Doesn't have a fifth year
2: option. He was their first pick in 2018, right? Second rounder.
1: Yeah, good call. Um, I mean, they're going to have to do something, but I, I'm not a big fan of investing big resources into that position. Like we kind of talked about, I think, on Friday, like a yeah. lot the top tight ends in the NFL for the most part. I mean, it's guys who are like – like you can get a Darren Waller late. Like you can get these kind of guys, even like a Jimmy Graham, a George Kittle, fifth rounder, Zachary, mm-hmm. the second rounder, um, Jason Kelsey – or sorry, uh, tra- Travis Kelsey, what, third rounder,
4: uh, guy. Round, like yeah, strength.
1: so like, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't love, I mean, the value has to be right. Uh, I, again, though, if you're taking a guy, it better be because, like, you freaking just love him and he's, like, really head and shoulders above everyone else. I don't want to hear any kind of justification for basically almost any tight end pick that 12 personnel is going to be why they're doing it. Like, that that can't that be the reason out of here.
2: Out of here.
4: I was like, we need corners, we need wide receivers. Wide back. I actually like Tots a lot, too. But like yeah, tight end is just not what like we have got her. He's good enough. So like Yeah.
5: You no know, be good for us next year. Oh yeah. no. And plus the tight end is really not deep, but you know, it's a good enough tight ends in the draft and they're gonna fall later, like a Trey McKitty
1: could be there later in the draft. Uh looking at the chat here, this this from Jake uh Rabati. Have we heard anything about the team that they will look for a replacement in the draft for Kelsey, or are they planning or preparing for a Kelsey retirement? I mean, I think they would have to be. I mean, even if this is – even if Kelsey does come back, I mean, this would be his very last year, you know, best-case scenario for them. I think they like what they have internally in terms of you put Isaac Somalo, I believe you'd shipped him over to center – and you probably have Herbig starting at left guard at that point, and then you know maybe if they draft someone, and then there's Jack Jack Dismore too. In theory, he could compete. Although they didn't really have him at guard at all uh, in practice last year, and he hasn't played that position since I think early in his college career, so I wouldn't count on that. But I think they kind of have an internal plan. I'm sure they'd like to draft someone with center ability, not necessarily just a straight up center. It could you know be an interior offensive lineman, guard, center type. Um, they have Luke Diriga too, you know, who they gave like the biggest undrafted rookie free agent guarantee last year. So they seem to like like his potential. He got a couple snaps uh when Kelsey got hurt in the Browns game last year, so he's still around too. He kind of factors into the equation. Another comment here from Rich Bobby. Uh loyal loyal listener, guy, Rich um, Bobby. BJ generator Radio. Yeah, he big, big, you know, big shout outs to Rich Bobby. Uh, really loves, you know, BGN Radio's sponsor, Right to Sell On Craft Jerky, which you can get, everyone here, <laughs> as I plug this, by going to com and using discount code BGN15 for 15% off. It's worth the time. Uh, so one thing that Benjamin Solak mentioned on BGN Radio is Matt Barkley. <laughs> Resigning signing, Matt Bar- Barkley. What? Who uh, said that? <laughs> Solak. Solak. That. He, what? He did. Yeah. He made sense with it, though. He, it made sense. Oh, Lord. It's it's interesting to think what they're gonna do in terms of a veteran quarterback. We saw the rumor that like to keep an eye on Marcus Mariota, Seamus, I feel like you need to weigh in here as the you know we, we, we once thought the former Mariota lover has logged on. Yeah. Yes. Well I mean I, I you know, I was right there among them. I, I wanted I wanted him more than anything. Uh and now I really don't want him at all. I would take him as the backup. I mean, you're not going to
2: trade for him at his salary, but if he's cut, which seems more likely than not, I think he's a worthwhile option there.
1: I just think the money he's going to get is like more than would just really be worth it for a team that's cap-strapped and isn't really seriously competing anyway. I mean, I just feel like there, there has to be a team. Like, Washington apparently has showed interest in trading for him, but then they kind of backed off apparently, according to that athletic article that was out there. But maybe like they rekindle that, you know, if he gets cut, which I think the Raiders might do, because I think they clear like eleven point six million or so in cap space, and the Raiders are currently just, like seven point seven over the cap. So, uh, and I think Mariota wants out too. I don't know what kind of leverage he has, but like I think he kind of is making it known he wants to to go somewhere where he actually has some kind of chance to start. Patriots are out there too. They could, you know, in theory sign him. Uh, do the Bears take a shot on Mariota? You know, if he's out there, like, I feel like he's, he has to have a market that would, you know, get more money than being a backup here. If Mariota goes to Washington,
3: it will be good to fulfill his
4: promise. <laughs> I mean, Mariota, so Brute and Mia, they love Mariota. Bruden was like, oh, Mariota's everything. He's going quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. But he couldn't, like, be good over there. If I'm, if I'm Mariota personally, I'm going to try to go to the Patriots or Washington, something like that, where I know for a fact I should hopefully start right away. Coming mm-hmm. to Philly, yeah. you have Jalen Hurts, it's a tough city. Chip Kelly was here.
5: Um, if we're looking at veteran QBs, I'm going to take the GOAT bridge quarterback in Tyrod Taylor because we know he's jumped, he's jump started a lot of
1: great QB careers.
3: Or Fitz Magic. They're both starting yes. pretty good QB careers. Yes. Years.
1: And, uh, Tyrod obviously has the connection to um uh Justin or um what's his name? The offensive coordinator. Shane, uh yeah. Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen, yeah. They yeah. you know they they spent time together uh, on the Chargers, I think for really the past two seasons, you know, with him being the offensive Quarterback coordinator. Coach in 2019 and, and yeah, and quarterback's coach, right. So has really, you know and I think that makes sense in terms of I, I feel like Taylor at this point kind of has to be honest about, you know, where he is. In his career, you know, like he's not—he's not a guy who I would think is like, oh, I'm looking for a starting job, you know, like, and I and I deserve one because he's, you know, he lost it last year when he had it. He got, you know, replaced by Herbert. He got replaced by Mayfield in Cleveland. Like, I don't think he's, he's really so going somewhere. Bad. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I just, I think, I think this kind of situation, and I think his price would be reasonable because of that. Um, we got David Rose coming up on stage here who joined the podcast last night when I did uh, a live version of that with Stat. So, what's up again, David Rose? No relation to the Roses from Shit Screen.
7: <laughs> Still, be- best binge of the pandemic. You know, yes. Uh, I just think going after veteran QB is a non starter. I mean, Kurtz yeah. is a veteran QB at this point, he has starts under his belt. Like ready to do it, we're bringing in a young coaching staff that's ready to teach. I don't want a veteran QB thinking that they know better and that they're going to teach like the new QBs the way of the NFL. I want my coaching staff to do that. You know, the only possible veteran QB I think the Eagles should be considering is somebody like Kaepernick. You know, like I, I feel like you know if you're, if you're going to go for veteran QB, go for the one that just is a pure PR game. Like, otherwise, otherwise, it's like you have Hurts. Yeah, you have Hurts, and Mm -hmm. then you just go over and you pick up, you know, a young QB, and it's going to be perfectly fine for, like, you know, moving forward.
2: I mean, I don't think uh, Kaepernick is playing in the NFL, unfortunately. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: It's been a while. I mean, if it was going to happen, it
7: would have already happened. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see him get a chance, but it has been. We're going up on five years now. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to bring in a veteran, I would just say bring in Kaepernick and give him his chance at training camp. Let him show what he can do and, you know, play for a spot and do whatever. But, you know, you give him a chance, which is more than any other NFL team has done. And that'll be nothing but, a you know, a gain for the team and camaraderie and the city getting behind, like, what the team's doing. Like, to me, to me, that's kind of like a savvy, you know, play that isn't going to cost a lot that has nothing but upside, has no risk. In the meantime, you you know, to me, like, Hurts is very, very just, like, you know, solid, workable, somebody who has, like, the team support behind him. He'll be coachable. And then if we get an opportunity to draft, like, one of the premier, you know, quarterbacks, you do it. If you don't get the chance to draft one of the premier quarterbacks, then there are, like, some young teachable ones, you know, in the mid-rounds that we could pick up. You know, and I think like you know that's how you play it, and we work on building the rest of the team and you know and strengthening it that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm willing to see what Hertz has this year. Like I, I and I usually don't find myself in that spot where I want to just hand a, a job to a young player. And I mean, I'm not handing it to him alone in the sense of I think the Eagles should bring in an affordable veteran in free agency. I'm not breaking the bank to do that. Um I really don't love the idea of like putting a lot of money into any kind of like Mariota or Brissett. Oh, yeah, they can
2: afford make a forty percent, even though that's that's the, that makes sense. It's the Chase Daniel yeah. coming here. It's yeah. that type of move. It's the Doug Peterson right. coming here thing.
1: Yeah. So if you can get Taylor, which I think you can at a reasonable price, I would like that, and then you kind of have you know a competition in theory, it's although obviously, yeah, because it has to be. You can't like. There's no benefit of Taylor actually, you know, starting like what does that get this what does that accomplish for this team? Yes. Nothing to me. Nothing. It just it doesn't anything. The only reason he should be starting is if Jalen Hurts like came into training camp like 50 pounds overweight and like totally just wasn't yeah. taking things seriously, which I don't like, think you're listening to. So. a rough quarantine, man. Oh, yeah. It would have to be something like that. Like that's the only reason to me. You, you know, you bring in competition is to guard against a player just like thinking, "All right, I made it. I don't need to work hard for this anymore." Like that's the only benefit I see to it. Otherwise, like they need to see more of Jalen Hurts. Like they don't have enough on him to know exactly what he is. Definitely for sure, he started at twenty-two last year in an unideal system. Like, and I think there's like a real chance that Jalen Hurts isn't the long-term answer. I'm, I'm saying that. Oh, sure. Like he, he deserves a chance, but there, there's, he has a lot to prove. And honestly, yeah. he might not be in an environment next year where yeah. it's really even totally fair to judge him. But I mean, that's kind of just w- where it is. Like I think if Hertz is anything less than convincing next year, like I don't think we go into 2021 or 2022. Saying like, well, you have to give Hertz even more time. Like, no, I don't, I, I don't think you have to at that point. Like, this is this is his year. This is his chance, even though it might not be an ideal situation. Like, he has to make the most of it. And like, this is his shot. So I, I want to, they, they have to give him playing time. They just have to.
7: I mean, to me, what do we know about this coaching staff? This coaching staff cares about accuracy. This coaching staff cares about, you know, dual tight end sets. They're looking for innovative, like efficient, you know, offenses that can, you know, create opportunities for a quarterback to make a smart decision and find that open man and execute, you know. And Hertz could be that guy, like, you know, so that's perfectly fine. You know, if they get a chance, you know, if Zach's around to pick six, that's great. You know, I I keep coming back to Jamie Newman over at Georgia. You know, I I think that is the same kind of, like, you know, quarterback that has some possibility to be able to be a backup
4: and learn and
7: develop. Hey, I I wrote that in my
2: mailbag last week for for BGN, talking about potential backup options with a day three picker in the draft, outside of taking a guy in the first round, obviously. Right. And Newman, who is a transfer to Georgia, but didn't play for Georgia this past year, played three years at Wake Forest. Seems like he has a nice combination of size, mobility, and obviously the ability to throw the ball, too. That would appeal to the Eagles. And, you know, we've seen, you know, take away the BS factor of the quarterback factory and all the discourse (laughs) and controversy that came with that comment that I'm sure Howie wishes he never said every single day of his life going forward. But if they're going to take a guy as their quote-unquote developmental guy, like Nate Sudfeld leaves, You know, he, not saying he'd be Clayton Thorson here, but the team has shown a willingness consistently in the draft, whether it's early or late, that they are going to draft a quarterback. So again, Jamie Newman, he's my guy. If we're going to take a quarterback on day three, I don't really necessarily want to do it, but they're going to do it. He's the guy for me. I like that call from you.
1: Yeah, I, I would almost rather just have It's almost like to me quarterback at 6 or none at all. Like, like I don't Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's but I want to get uh Bernard uh in the conversation here. You he quest to speak, yo, Bernard, what's up, man? Hey, um
2: yeah, I think we need to give Hertz his chance. I I wrote earlier, I don't think we're handing it to him. I just think we we roll with what we got at the moment, but I was curious what you guys might think would be a successful season? What would warrant you saying he is the starter the following year?
1: What do you got, think? It's strange because the
2: team sucks, right? Outside of him.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So,
2: what is a successful season? Like the rest of the team gets better and they're like nine and seven and won a crappy division. I think a lot of that's out of his hands. But at the same time, if they go five and 11 or six and 10, the rest of the team stinks and he's pretty good, but not unbelievable. Are you thinking, like, well, Are we going to keep rolling with this guy? Are we we going to trade up from, you know, the 13th pick and use the Colts pick and get in the top 10 and draft our next quarterback of the future? So I feel like he's in a hard position to succeed right now. Not making excuses for him already. Mm -hmm. You know, if this year doesn't work out for him, I'm ready to move on. I'm a Hurts guy. Put it on record. But if it doesn't work out this season, you can move on. But it's hard to define what a successful season is for him. For years, I've been saying a successful season for Wentz is to play a playoff game... And win a playoff game, but I don't think that's realistic for Hertz given the current situation and state of the team. So what's a successful season? They go seven and nine. He is it a statistical marker? But then at the same time, if they're mm-hmm. getting blown out in a lot of games, he might throw for close to four thousand yards. It's hard to define at this stage.
7: See, yeah. I think the, I, I think the definition for Hertz success is going to be based on what kind of production we got out of our receiving core. How many sacks our offensive line gives up, and how many the quarterback gives up. If we're able to turn what was a sloppy offense into something that is productive, I think that would be a very you know strong endorsement for Hertz moving forward. If if as a backup, if, a, if you know if nothing else, but I think that would be a very strong endorsement.
2: What would be uh, the strong endorsement that they're? Just, but what is like a good offense for them? Is that is that record dependent? Are they top 10 in DVOA? Are they a top scoring offense? What constitutes that?
7: Well, I think right now we're on the bottom in terms of our receiving court pro- productivity. I think we're on the bottom in terms of our offensive line, in terms of yeah, uh, sacks given up, you know, pressures on the quarterback, etc. cetera. You know, if those two numbers go from the bottom to, you know, toward the top, that's a, that's that's a you know positive marker regardless of the win loss record.
2: But isn't a lot of that out of his hand? Like they need to actually draft another receiver because they don't really have any concrete good receivers. Not just people who are good in theory, like Jalen Rager. Guys who are good are going to be good week one. They don't have that. They would need to draft that. Their offensive line was consistently banged up. They don't know if Jason Kelsey's coming back. Are these factors that you're trying to say would define his success, which is, are kind of yes. out of his hands and circumstantial? Which is what well, I, I don't think. Know how to the define
7: what success? The free agency. What? Right, and and that's what the priority should be during free agency. They don't if have money to sign anyone in free agency. Right, but, but our our priority in free agency should be: what are we able to do to stabilize our offensive line? You know, what are we able to do about that? Like, if if we have to say goodbye to Jason Peters, if we have to like, you know, find someone who's a solid development, you know, behind Kelsey. But those are just you know, guys that Earth, get on day three Earth of the, the draft. Regime, then what?
1: I agree. I, the way I'd put it again, I'll rephrase what I said, or just bring up what I said. Like I think anything less than convincing, and you have to pursue options yeah. next year. Like I, I think, think that's, it has to that's... Be like
2: no one's questioning whether he's the starter. Yeah,
1: if, he... there, if, if, if there's any doubt, like at all, then you yeah. have to pursue other options. Like you have, you just have to. I think you don't want to be in the situation that just for example, like let's say you know the Panthers are in with Teddy Bridgewater, or like Teddy Bridgewater is like he's like fine. But like, he's clearly not good enough and yes. like, isn't, isn't the real solution or even really even a higher end extension of or that would be Derek Carr and the Like, there has to be, it can't be like, well, he's fine. Deion Hertz is like fine. And if you just build around him more, then maybe we can win. No, like, Correct. Th- that can't be the plan. It can be. Like part of the plan, you don't have to cut Jalen Hurts. You don't have to trade him after this year if he doesn't look anything less than amazing. But like, you have to look at other options. Like, you have to be in the market for a quarterback. Now, I want to get uh, Julian involved because uh, he he requested to speak up here. What's going on, Julian?
8: Julian, hey. um, Yeah. The I mean, the only I guess I have. I'm kind of a conflicted mind because on one hand, I kind of feel like, well, it's not so bad our situation going into next year. Where I actually think we could probably win the division and make the playoffs. Um, like I don't think it's that crazy, especially if we do well in the draft on defense. I think our defense yeah. is kind of talent poor right now, but the mm-hmm. offense. I actually am a little bit higher on the offense than maybe you guys are because I think especially with what I've heard of Sirianni's scheme. Like I don't know what he's actually going to do, but what I've heard of it in terms of a lot of like the mesh concepts, shallow crossers, etc. I actually think that Jalen Rager will be able to be very productive and Hurts, that combination would be very productive with those type of route combinations. Plus you have Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard. So like, I, I think in, in our line, especially if we don't have to be forcing Jason Peters into the rotation every other week and causing chaos there, like I, I'm pretty, I, I'm like cautiously optimistic about the offense. I think I'd like to see a lot of emphasis on defense in the draft. And then let's evaluate Howie. Like, let's see if, if this pick was really worth making with this Jalen Hurts pick. Let's evaluate that. Let's give it a shot here and let's not like muddy the waters and make things complicated in terms of the evaluation process for the rest of the team. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could kind of go either way with that because you could say like, well, you can't see if the team is good if, you know, you're, if you have not like a adequate quarterback, but I don't know from what I've seen of Hurts last year where he excelled. I thought he was really good at getting the ball out on time, uh, making a quick read. I, I don't know about, you know, reading downfield, uh, you know, those those types of things. Uh but in terms of meshing what I've heard of Sirianni and what I've seen of Hertz and Rieger. Um I don't know. I I, I would just like to kind of move forward with that offensive identity and let's focus on defense. But I that being said, uh I do think with the number one pick, maybe a skill position offense, because that seems like where the talent is.
2: If, if you squint enough, I guess you could see them being okay on offense, right? If Hurts plays like he did against New Orleans and Arizona and a little bit against Dallas, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in Hertz. He could be the guy. And my, you have a healthy Miles Sanders. Dallas Goddard plays a healthy season as tight end one with, without being in the shadow of Zach Ertz now. Jalen Rager plays closer to the player they imagined they were getting last year than the uneven and injury-rattled campaign that he had in 2020, you know, maybe that is a middle-of-the-pack offense, or maybe it has upside for more. And that assumes that, you know, maybe you get a Jamar Chase or a Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle in round one, too.
1: I guess another thing to consider is that, like, what if, <laughs> and I can't believe I'm about to say this, please don't anyone... bring this up to me and write this down. What if the Eagles were right in terms of like coaching was a big difference, a bigger difference than a lot of us might be willing to admit in that like they really bring in a new coaching. And now, again, I don't fully believe this because I think talent is a big issue. But, I mean, you can argue, you know, Cliff kind of talked about earlier how, you know, you can say other players had some success elsewhere. I think some of that is a little overblown. I still think talent is the biggest issue. If I'm playing devil's advocate with myself here, Uh, like, what if we see the new coaching staff make a big difference? Um, and, and then, and that's no guarantee because this is a really young coaching staff, like crazily young. A lot of these guys are inexperienced. Does that matter? I don't know. I think it could. (laughs) I think it could matter. And I think we could see things get ugly and it mattering then. But maybe the coaching staff comes in, like, we, that all the people who said that, you know, Doug deserved a lot of blame. And everything, and the offense was stale and boring, or everything. Maybe there's truth to that. I mean, that's like your case for optimism, right? Is that the Eagles were right, and like the coaching staff was a bigger issue than maybe we wanted to admit. I'll well, just and, spin uh, it as well, a yeah, huge dog guy
2: that is, it was their fault for not giving Hertz a chance earlier, and it was all Hertz, and they would have been even better if it was Doug and Hertz together. That's
8: how I'll rationalize it.
3: Mm-hmm.
8: <laughs> well, and I, what well, I think also with the like. And I don't, I don't really blame Doug for this necessarily, but one thing that I, I thought was a problem last year was like, I mean, I, I just like to blame Howie for everything. So I blame Howie for this. Sure. It's like this, it felt as though we're constantly forcing people into the lineup, just meddling, tinkering. Like every week it's a new lineup kind of for no reason. And it felt like even like, and I, I know people love to see like Deshaun Jackson get involved, right? But I was like, Like, why are we bringing him back? Like, when we had, like, that Dallas Cowboys game, he had, like, this giant, like, touchdown catch and run. But it's like, yeah, but it felt like we were kind of, like, all just gearing up for that. And then, yay, uh, you know, Deshaun got his touchdown. But then it's like, okay, well, what's, like, now he's gone and kind of just, like, it just kind of throws everything into chaos. We just don't have, like, a consistent identity or rhythm that we ever establish. Um, and it was the same thing with the offensive line, obviously. I mean, that was the big one. Um, and it seemed like, again, it's like Jason Peters has this giant contract that we have to justify by, like, forcing him to line up, even though he's obviously not the best, you know, one of the best five
1: guys on there. Yeah, I think you could look to blame that on, I don't think it's just the coaching staff, but obviously the coaching staff is uh, incentivized to play players in their minds who think help them win now, as opposed to, you know, guys they want to build with. So that's why we saw Jason Peters out there, unfortunately, instead of Jordan Milata way too often. I think, though, the front office still deserves blame for, you know, like, re-signing Jason Peters and kind of giving in to the coaching staff. Like, this I, this one thing I hate the most that came out of the past season was the the, the talk that, like, well, the front office loved Jalen – or sorry, the front office loved Justin Jefferson, but the coaching staff really liked Jalen <laughs> Rangel. Well, it's like, are the scouts calling plays on Sunday? Like, did they get a call to say in that, like – are, are the coaches allowed to turn around and be like, well, the offense sucked today, but you know, the, the scouts really wanted to run that play. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, the coaches, coach. let the scouts scout. Like, what are we doing here? There should be a delineation. And I think this front office under Howie, shocker, has like been, it's so, it, it always comes up where it's like never Howie's fault. It's always someone else's fault somehow. Someone else is to blame. Someone else was meddling, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's no accountability ever. And that's why the team is frustrating as a whole because it's like, we we all know the person most responsible for this mess isn't being held accountable. Well, that's yeah, the Don point Peter of the collaborative can't approach: pick is his you-
2: staff. He's picking the first <laughs> down pick. He can't pick who was on his coaching staff.
1: Yeah, I, I completely
8: agree with that, and then I I just think that's the whole reason we have this whole collaboration to begin with: is we bring everybody into the room, he makes <laughs> up his mind, and then who you know if it goes badly, it's whoever brought it up. It's his fault, you know.
1: But it's re- like, it's really smart in terms of uh, like it's working out for him. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
8: But yeah, I mean it it is this like it's the same thing with if you go back to like Danny Watkins like we kept on hearing about like how how involved Andy Reid was with the personnel and like mm-hmm. that's the reason Andy Reid did poorly. But. You know, from what I understand, he's very involved with the personnel in Kansas City, and it seems like they're doing very well, right? With Andy (laughs) Reid being involved with personnel. And it just so happens that once Howie took over as GM, Andy Reid's tenure here turned bad. makes you think.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The great Noah Becker put out something today on Twitter uh, that that kind of relates to the conversation we're having. Uh, I'm looking for it here. I don't have it. He was like, something about how the last three years, of uh of the last three years of um Jeffrey Lurie's tenure have been like the worst, arguably. Um and oh, the point he, he illustrated was that I mean you look at like and I, I want to do something for this on bleeding. Uh, yeah, it's right. I have it here. It says this yeah. list and Shields' wide receiver free agency list really hammer home that the last three years of Howie Roosevelt's tenure have been the worst three years of front office management in the entire literary ownership era. And the context he was uh, citing there is like you look at these lists of, uh, you know, like uh, free agent lists of the top free agents, and Best some class of them go, ever. yeah. So well, some of them go well. Two, so two different ways here. So like strong class, the Eagles have no money to spend on it. Also. The Eagles have like no players. Uh, you can come up with a list of like the top hundred free agents, zero Eagles on that list, and like that's a good thing in the sense of like they're not going to be losing anyone key. But the, the the problem there is they don't have anyone key to lose. <laughs> like they, they ideally, in, in like in an ideal situation, you should be having so many talented players on your roster like you can't even keep them all. Like you're losing guys because you can't even afford to pay them all, and they're because they're amazing, and then you're getting comp picks for them because other teams are signing. Like, that's, that's just so not the situation they're in. Like, they, they have no cap space, and they've spent all this money on a core that, like, isn't good. Like, it's, it's just ter- – it's, like, the worst place to be. Uh, speaking of Howie Roseman, so my
5: – one of my ideal moves is that they fired Howie Roseman, move on from him. And one candidate that I'm looking at, his name is Morocco Brown. He's with the Indianapolis Colts. He's the – I think he's, like, the director of uh, scouting or player yeah. personnel. And my thing is, you get a guy, and what is Indianapolis known for? They are great at drafting players. We saw last year, you know, they traded the, four, the their first-round pick for the Forrest Buckner. And after that, they still got Jonathan Taylor, who was top three in rushing as a rookie. You got Michael Pittman, who really turned it on in the second half of the year and showed that he could possibly be one of your top two receivers. And then you even got Julian Blackman, a safety late in the draft, who looked like a defensive rookie of the year candidate. So if he has time to learn under Chris Ballard, or he was able to learn, like you know, take some things out of Chris Ballard's book, I would take a chance on him. And it's like, all right, you know what you're working with here. we can try and free up some cap space, but you know, we're we're looking to build through the draft. You know, you work under Chris Ballard, so we just need you um get in here. And, no Jeff, you no know, evaluate talent for us. Do you have a point on that, BG? Because I do. Uh,
1: I I wish we could get to the point where, like, I could care about, like, other – not to say I don't care here. I'm just, like, <laughs> I, wish, I wish, like, it was to the point of, like, realistically, it was like, yeah, I want to, like, know about other front office guys. And I think the Eagles actually did interview Morocco Brown. Uh, I think it was back – might have been back when they were, like, looking for a guy in Joe Douglas's role. Um so he is on their radar, apparently. But um but yeah, I I guess I, I just wish we could get to a point where I felt like how he wasn't gonna be here. What what did you have to say, Shane?
2: I get he's probably a really good candidate and seems like a great identifier of talent, but since Chris Ballard worked in Philly, I kind of really want to get away from the KC this, you
1: mean?
2: Yeah, in KC or Indianapolis, mm. this gravitational matrix of links yeah. from the read era. I want <laughs> like it's but it's true, like I want a fresh Start yep. of the organization, where even as great as the highs were of the Peterson era, it was inevitably a link to the Reed era and everything they had done. Then they need kind of a fresh tree, so to speak, whether that's a front office tree, a coaching tree, to bring in here to me.
1: No new ideas. What
2: ton of success? <laughs> yeah, new ideas. It's what bringing all those assistants for Doug last you were supposed to be. They're getting out of just the Reed circle. They're bringing in a Shanahan guy. They're bringing in this. They're bringing in that. I want a new voice that's ripped apart from what I've known literally my entire life as an Eagles fan at this point. Just a fresh start. We've had a lot of success. Reed was great here. Need something now.
1: We have uh, Joshua. Yeah. Joshua. Um, I was, Joshua. Hey, what's up? What's up? How's it going, man?
3: Good. I was just saying that chat. in the chat. Uh, Chip Kelly was that, too. <laughs> So yeah. a new idea. And they went back. Yeah. And then they that's went the back thing. To
1: I want a new Andy good there. idea, not
3: a new bad idea. Sorry. <laughs>
1: but you could say that now. But like, yeah, yeah
3: exactly. Like the exactly. That's, that. too.
1: that's the thing though. I feel like they overcorrected once they went wrong yeah. with that. It's like, well, we tried something new and now we can't ever try something new again. because mm-hmm. it didn't work out. Well, it's just like, honestly,
2: it's yeah. almost a fake retreading away too. Cause it's just like, Oh, well we missed Andy Reid. We hired Doug. Well, we missed Frank Briggs. Yeah. Well, we hired him.
1: Well I would argue too one of the problems the biggest problems with chip Kelly is that they didn't learn from past mistakes and the, it's a mistake this organization continues to make and it's where the lines of power are blurred and it's not clearly defined mm-hmm. as I was kind of just talking about earlier like a big problem you know with chip Kelly is that like they let him get into personnel and that was a big that was a problem part of the problem unless we would argue that you know how he was really to blame which can at the end of the Andy era and I think even with Carson like so they're still doing it like they they gave Carson way too much power and control in this organization and they and totally enabled an entitled quarterback and I think that totally factored in to his downfall here so like you know I, I don't think it's just about the new idea was bad I think it's this organization doesn't like have this power structure right and so, like, I don't want to, like, you know, say Chip Kelly wasn't to blame, but, like, the organization deserves their blame in there, too.
3: I feel like I everybody, every coach that, like, suddenly, because I'm an NBA fan, too, but kind of, like, every coach that suddenly um gets, like, personnel decisions, it,
1: it's always, like, kind of doomed to fail in a way. Yeah, it typically is. Like, where does it work out? I mean, you mean, you might look at, you know, Seattle, I mean, but then again, like, they've only won one Super Bowl, and they've had no, a lot of mistakes think, since.
3: Does he have, like, because I know they have Snyder.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think Carroll kind of has a final say, ultimately. Um, okay. You, you can say, you know, Belichick, New England, but that's such, yeah. you know, but an anomaly. Look, if you look at
3: both of them, both of them are great franchises. But, like, kind of Russell Wilson and Tom Brady kind of made up for a lot of that. Sure. Plus, um, plus if you look at their drafts, they have some really like New England. You know, they have weird drafts. Like a lot of their picks haven't really panned out. And then like Seattle, they have a lot of weird drafts. Um, and I I feel like a lot of people kind of praise their drafts because of like what they got with like Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and later on. And Russell Wilson too,
1: but that's been like so long ago. Uh, I want to bring up this comment, uh, it, it, or I want to bring up this from the comments for because we're doing an audio replay of this. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming this is going to go up on uh, BGN Radio. Um, yeah. Julian, Julian, pointing out in the chat here, Howie has as many years with double-digit wins as DM with Chip as head coach, two for two, as he does without Chip as head coach. <laughs> so, so that's great. That's great to know. <laughs> Do we have anything else here, guys? Okay. Anyone else want to come up on stage? Any other points to be made here as we're hitting over the hour on the uh, kinda run mark? I kind of
3: came in like a, a little later. Sure. So I, I didn't know like what, what, was no, your it's pain, cool. what was our opinions on the draft and
1: stuff. Basically, it kind of comes down to me to like just get an elite difference maker. Yeah, uh, we want that, big talent the...
2: at six, stay at six, get a yeah. stud, go defense day two. That's my vibe.
1: Do not come into this draft saying we're going to draft a quarterback at 6 no matter what. No like d- like we're just going to do it. No, you can't do that.
2: It's a situation where they were so gung-ho about this guy whether it's Justin Fields or Trey Lance and they're like, "Oh my god, Trey Lance is going to be a transformative talent." Sure. But if they're taking a guy just to take a guy, that's not the best path forward. They don't they aren't in dire need of a quarterback. They aren't the 2017 Bears, where they kind of just – they need someone out there. They need a young guy. They already kind of have a young guy who are not – they're not totally sold on yet that people don't totally know about him yet. Unless he's, yeah. you know, unquestionably the best prospect for you, I don't do it. Yeah,
1: I've heard, if they didn't yeah. have Hurts, I, I would say, like, by contrast, like, do that. Just take a quarterback at that point. If you don't have Hurts on the roster, like, you have to take a quarterback. So you have literally nothing. It's like, what else are you going to do? Yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm – um. I'm an Alabama fan, so I, I have a, you know, kind of like a reverence for, for Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Know, Cause he's, you know, a great guy, uh, everything. But it's, you know, like I, you know, I feel like, you know, you still need to evaluate the quarterbacks that are in this draft, you know. Um, and ultimately, like I think the Jets are in the same situation. Ultimately, if you think one is better, then you grab them, you know. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know how much. I I just feel like um Jalen Hurts is gonna be like a Tyrod Taylor type. Mm-hmm. Um A guy who he he, I I never understood the the drafting of him last year, you know. But you know, I think he'll be like a Tyrod Taylor type, you know, you know, a solid, you know, maybe solid bridge quarterback but you know nothing more you know and so you know ultimately you know I feel like with with the draft you know you need to I feel like in this draft the probably the best positions are quarterback and right receiver and I think um just surrounding him with a lot of talent would be great you know but if you find a quarterback that you think can be, you know, like that franchise guy. Then, you know, you have to go ahead and take him if Joshua, it falls to
1: you. Uh, you say you have a reverence for Jalen Hurts, you know, former Alabama quarterback. I have to ask, do you have a reverence for Mac Jones? Yeah, I
3: like Mac Jones. I Actually, I'm actually from the same town. I mean, I'm from Jacksonville as well. Oh, okay. With Mac Jones, so I, I do. I, well, I have a reverence, reverence for all of them. Uh, yeah, two ways well there. Well. Um, yeah, I have, I, I like Matt Jones too, but, you know, at the same time, I think, I think he's kind of a dependent quarterback, you know, because yeah. you can see the, you know, when you look at his game, you can see, like, when he gets pressured, you know, he, he has a hard time. Um, you know, when everything's not perfect, he can have kind of a hard time. Um, but you know that that goes with a lot of quarterbacks but like when you're picking at like where the Eagles are picking you know you want something more you know you want you know someone like that Trey Lance that can you know move around and um, pick up first downs when they you know when they need to you know
1: I I think it's interesting about Mac Jones like hearing all the recent buzz about him and Peter King said like, based on what he's heard he thinks he's going to go ahead of Trey Lance and that's kind of surprising because a lot of people have Lance over him. Uh, you also look at, like, you know, Kuyper's recent mock draft from last week. He's a Mac Jones going eighth. I don't think it's impossible that the Eagles would take him. I don't think it's likely. I don't think he'll be the best player there. I think, obviously, no one wants to hear me say that. But uh, I, it's, it's, I hate to say this because it's so, like, I don't think anyone's going like, to clip quote this and then use it against me years to come. But, uh, like, so Tua and Kuyper both said that like they see Tom Brady and Mac Jones, and now obviously that's an insane thing to say in yeah. terms of comparing them one to one. But like I was watching Mac Jones yesterday, and I, I saw what they meant, just in terms of like the way he kind of like moves in the pocket. It's it's like this herky jerky kind of like like I, I don't know. There's something about it that just, I I totally saw what they were talking about in terms of ball placement and everything, but. You know, again, I I agree with you, Josh. Like that's a that's a hard sell at number six in terms of a guy. Like, that's not going to be an elite difference maker. Like, that can't be the quarterback who's like, this is the guy we love so much and he's going to totally change the dynamic of this franchise. I think Mac Jones like is such a great fit for, let's say Washington. Like, I, I would hate for them to get him because I think you know they have that defense in place, they have some skill players in place. I think he can kind of be maybe even better, a better version of, like, Kirk Cousins there, and, you know, that's not scaring me in terms of them winning a Super Bowl, but it does make him like, a pain to deal with. Like, the Eagles were never able to beat Kirk Cousins when he was Washington, so don't want Mac Jones in the division.
3: I haven't been into into the draft, you know, but I feel like probably the first four quarterbacks, you know, if any of them fall, you know, you really have to think about getting them, you know, and, you know, i I. I just because of kind of like, I don't, I don't think, you know, Mac Jones is good, but I don't think he's going to be like that playmaking guy. So, you know, that, that's going to make plays outside of the, the system, you know. Uh, I don't think, you know, you, sh- you should consider that, you know, because, you know, at least with like someone like Jalen, you know, he's going to at least give you, um, some, you know, plays outside of the system, even
1: though he's not quite as a good of a passer, you know, uh, you have anything else, Shane? No, I'm good. Chill. All right. Um, unless anyone wants to jump up, I'll do a, a little last offer here for anyone has any closing thoughts. They, any like burning desires they need to get off their chest before we uh, wrap this show up here, uh, request to speak. We get you on real quick before we wrap this up. Uh, but while we wait in the meantime, uh, you know, Seamus and I are going to continue to do these throughout the off season. Uh, they've been a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us here on Locker Room. Obviously, uh, I'm going to work on this getting uh, up on the BGN Radio podcast feed. So maybe if you, you came in late or you want to hear yourself talk or something, <laughs> you know uh, you I love that. that. <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's all you do, right? Definitely be looking to do that. Looking to do like draft a draft show. Got to work that out with Seamus here. Yeah, I'd so do some do some live events. I think we could do some fun stuff with this. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, check all that out. Check out Right to Sell on Craft Turkey once again by going to Right to Sell com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Rich Bobby posted a picture on Twitter today that, like, you know, this big bundle of Right to Sell and Craft Turkey. He swears by it. I it is really good. Him. I, I did not pay him to of, say that.
2: Klausner gave me some a uh, few months back. It is really good,
1: it's good stuff. Yeah. I, and again, I was never even like a big beef jerky guy. So when I had it, I'm like, "How good is this really going to be?" And I had it, and I'm like, "This is actually pretty good. Like, I would buy this beef jerky and not any other beef jerky because I've had other ones. I didn't really like them, but this one was good." Uh, so What's the difference? Uh, it's just it's they have just like, like a a higher quality, very
2: unique flavors that go beyond just your classic, like, "Oh, this is garlic." Or, or this is bacon flavored. It's it's very and unique. It's very well done. It's very well crafted. They're local okay. too.
1: It's not like you know, like like it's a about, big it's a multinational corporation. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you know, it's, you're supporting local business, helping support the podcast. So uh, so yeah, go check it out. Cliff Bryce in the chat here saying, let's get Solak on again soon. Soon, yep, yeah, we'll definitely. do that. Until then, uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Give us a follow on here, Seamus and I. Uh yeah. then then you'll like on this app itself locker room because if you do that you can get like a notification when we go live so you don't miss out in the future. And obviously keep it tuned to BleedingGreenNation.com. So uh thanks again for joining us everyone and uh no we'll talk to you again.